welcome to the Conscious Coaches on the Mission, the podcast where we take super inspiring and profitable mindset, energetics, and online business strategy and get it into the hands of the most heart-centered people like you, creating mission-driven, soul-aligned businesses. I'm your host, Eugenia Oganova. I am a Clairvoyant seven-figure business strategist, personal transformation expert, and a messaging energetics coach with over 20 years of experience. I'm the owner and CEO of TranscensionGate.com and the creator of the Conscious Future Method. I'm also a best-selling author of three books, and I've been featured in over 100 publications, specializing in helping spiritual coaches and healers sustainably scale into multiple six and seven figures without forcing themselves to work harder by weaving masculine business strategy to feminine quantum energetics and customizing with their unique soul design and mission. Twice per week, in my 20-minute conversations, I'll be celebrating one lucky conscious entrepreneur on a unique mission, their expertise, business growth, leadership, and contribution to human awakening. Stick around to the end of the show. In 20 minutes, I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. Let's do it. Our today's guest is Donna Tashjen. She is a founder of Vibrant Living International. She's a life mastery coach. She's a podcaster, an author. She's many, many things. She helps women live vibrantly and confidently without fears, without doubts. So welcome, Donna. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. Mm-hmm. I like the topic of vibrancy and confidence. So let's start by talking about what is it that you do specifically with your clients? Because this is a large topic, and I'm sure that people that come to you have some sort of a specific issue that you help them with. Yes. A lot of women who begin to work with me start with my one of my signature programs called Turn Your Baggage Into Luggage. And that is specifically designed for people who've had some type of difficult or painful past. Um, They could find themselves at different um, places in their life, but that is generally where people begin working with me and um, learning how to do that in a very quick way so that they could, in my analogy, luggage means they're actually doing something and going where they like to be. What would be the typical issue, the typical baggage that becomes luggage that um, you specifically work with, like your specialty? Any type of trauma from your past. So give me an example so that the audience can understand a little bit more as to what kind of trauma, like what do you mean? Sexual trauma, physical trauma, body pain, um, karmic trauma, like what do you mean? (laughs) It usually is geared towards some type of childhood trauma um, is usually where it begins. A lot of times I've had women come, for example, I'll give you an example. Women come to me and say, my marriage has failed and I'm having a really tough time getting over this loss. And so then I will begin to ask them about their childhood and, oh, my childhood was fine. My, my father was an alcoholic and he beat my mom, but it was normal. Um, kind of a statement. So a lot of times it's minimized, but it usually starts with some type of trauma. It's not necessarily sexual, but it could be. But childhood trauma, um, neglect is generally where it begins. 
do you find that whatever is occurring in a childhood is directly related to what the person is experiencing currently, or is it more like a echo that's influencing it? Well, both of those, both of those questions to me, the answer to both of those questions is yes, it's still influencing them. <laughs> um, and yes, a lot of our beliefs that we believe about ourselves, therefore what I expect out of life, a lot of times comes from what, the way I'm looking at me and myself as a child. Mm -hmm. And what would be somebody's uh, perception of themselves currently that from your perspective is influenced by the childhood issue? Like, what would that look like as an example? Well, trying to think of a specific example to... Um, we'll just use my story. That's the easiest one for me to, to share is it's specific. And, and it's my, a lot of the short stories I don't share because of confidentiality, but mine I can share. Um, I had some sexual trauma as a teenager and younger and the, and also abandoned by my biological father. Now I know that reason why I tried to find love, try to be accepted was constantly trying to prove myself and, but I wasn't aware of why I was doing it. I, and failure, man, I couldn't fail at all. I avoid failure at all costs. So performance would be an issue of what was showing up in my life in my younger years. I was a mom at the age of 15. Um, and so there was a lot of figuring everything out really quickly. <laughs> and, um, when I find, when I did get married, um, I had a hard time believing that my husband would love me and not because of anything he did, but because, will he, am I really lovable? Is somebody really going to think that I'm worth it, that I deserve this? And all of those kind of emotions were part of something I had to begin to learn to process and find out what the truth was. Because one of the ways I word it is I want to stop identity theft. And I'm not talking about our credit card. I'm talking about those things and those labels and situations that happen to us that cause us to have an alternate identity of who I really am and who I was really created to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a I mean difficult story here, but it's also, I think, very important for people to understand how self-belief is directly linked to what happened when we were younger and how we we're formed, right? Because yes. identity, belief about like I'm worthy or I'm enough or I'm capable, all those things should be kind of pre-installed by the harmonious childhood. So when childhood is not mm, quite reflecting those things back to the mm -hmm. child, uh, as we grow up, we end up with a lot of it being projected out onto the world, kind of like chasing the external yes. to show us that we're enough or like Absolutely. what you were saying was proving. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find that people often um, chase this kind of like trying to change the reflection in the mirror without changing themselves? Like they chasing the reflection to change through different people and end up with kind of the same story um, repeating? <laughs> yes. For example, I met with a client this morning and um, she was having problems with one of her bosses, not giving her, not feeling like they were, she was treating her like she was valued. 
and not giving her the raises or treating her with respect, like like she was a value to the company. And I listened to her story and I says, is it possible that this person is a mirror of how you really see, see yourself? And if you would allow this opportunity for this mirror to highlight your true beliefs, then perhaps we could heal that and begin to move on. And she, be, she began to tear up because she hadn't thought about it. She was, this just wasn't fair. And she was mad. And rather than reflecting that sometimes the world is a mirror, sometimes things are just wrong. I'm not saying everything is, but reflecting that this is possibly something I believe about myself is awakening and startling for most of us. Yeah. And especially if it's a repetitive pattern, right? Because that would kind of indicate that there's something going on consistently, like an undercurrent, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So what would be a practical tip here that you can give our audience as to if they notice some same shit is happening all over again, right? Like, let's say (laughs) same day, like bumping into the same thing that it's like, oh, again, again, this person didn't hear me. Or again, I explained and they like ignored me. Or again, Mm -hmm. this thing happened with, you know, my business or my men or whatever. When they notice that, I mean, that's pretty noticeable. What would be like, you are one, two, three, sort of. What can you do right then, right now to kind of reset out of that, to start changing the pattern? Well, one thing is to really look in the mirror, an actual mirror, and look at yourself in the eyes and say, do I think this about myself? Mm-hmm. Do I believe that? Then one of my other favorite questions is, is whose voice is that? Where did this voice that you're not good enough, let's just use that one because that one's very common. You're not good enough. Where did, where did it start? My favorite thing, my favorite advice is get support, get some type of help to help you walk through this. Um, But that's, these are a couple of things that you can do immediately is whose voice is this? Because if it's not truth, if it's not the voice of truth, then recognize it as a lie is the first like aha moment. It's like, well, so-and-so thought said that it doesn't make it true. You know, one of the ways I describe rejection and I, and I'll back up a little bit, you know, how many different kinds of musics there are, you know, there's so many different genres, so many different kinds of art, so many different kinds of cars, And everyone came from someone's opinion of what was a good car, what was a good hairstyle, what was a good music, what was a good art. It's all somebody's opinion. And I end up changing my whole behavior because of somebody's opinion of me. And rejection equals somebody's opinion. It doesn't make it true unless I make it true. Unless I begin to own it. That's the identity theft. When I begin to say I'm stupid, when I begin to say I'm not worth anything, that's when it becomes truth for me, but it still doesn't make it truth, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot with my clients as women entrepreneurs that they are extremely kind and loving and nice to people around them, to Mm -hmm. their own clients, but in their own mind, sometimes they speak to themselves in a way that they would never speak to anyone. Absolutely. 
So this is like what you're talking about with like, whose voice is that? Is that your father talking or your Mm -hmm. mother? Or is it like some teacher or somebody in school that, yeah, like where is that? A bully, you know, Mm -hmm. a bully or whatever. Whose voice did that come from? Because all of a sudden that makes me think about, well, it was their opinion. It doesn't make it true. And if you really look at that person, they were probably extremely, I I don't want to use the really the word broken, but that's the only word that came, dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Or insecure um, and insecure, just projecting that's their a own issues word. onto somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't have to make it mine. And I can begin to say, I release that. It changes the vibrations. It changes your intentions. It changes everything. When I began to say, I release that. I don't accept that as truth anymore. Mm-hmm. And I can say that and not really believe it yet. But the act of beginning to say it changes. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is so true. And I always tell my clients to recognize the voice and then shift into something like, I don't receive it. Like mm-hmm. I hear it. It's yeah, it happened yep. in my head. <laughs> yep. It's repeated again, but I don't receive it. I don't take it on. Yes. So what would you say um, to someone who says, okay, I recognize these negative voices in my mind, but I can't turn them off, even though I know it's not true, even though I know that this is, I don't know, let's say my dad talking, but mm-hmm. how do I turn that off? Because it then becomes kind of like a cycle of abuser that's following her in her own head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so many a times we try to get the voice to stop by ignoring it and that doesn't work <laughs> just in case we want, it just doesn't work. I heard, um, Lisa Nichols told a story of, um, the way that she shared it's neural and linguistic. I always have trouble getting that word out. Right. And <laughs> neural linguistic programming. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Every time I seem like I try to say it, but that's human name. <laughs> anyway, um, and she talks about the old uh, like stereo systems where they had a push button that you started and stopped that kind uh-huh. of. And uh, so she said she told her client or client had she tells a story where a client had finally gotten this job promotion interview that she had been believing for. And she was so excited until the morning of the interview. And then all of a sudden that voice started, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? Why do you, if you get this job, if you try to get this job, you'll probably fail. People like you where you are. Are you sure you want to do this? What if nobody likes you? Who do you think you are? And it was just going on this loop. And she remembered that Lisa had told her to pretend like the left side of her brain, like the temple there was a stop button. So push the stop button, but then on the right side, push the play button of what is the truth. And so she pushes the stop button and her hand is all clammy. Her mouth is all dry. It's the whole thing's going on. So she pushes the play button on the right side. And first, she doesn't know what to say. And she says, but I've been preparing for this job. This is exactly the job of my dream. I'm good with people. And if I don't know what to do, I'll learn and grow. That's the whole purpose of this job. I'm going to nail it. And she went in and did. Now, it seems so silly, but it's pressing stop, but then pressing play. You replace the negative with something 
not just tell it to stop because you can't think one thing and speak another. Whatever you speak, you will think. So when we change the thoughts that are hovering in the back of the head that are negative to actually speaking what we want or what the truth is, it changes everything. And sometimes you have to keep doing it over and over until that voice begins to stop and keep saying, I don't receive this. This is the truth. Absolutely. And this is, to me, one of the main principles of energetics is that energy is always there. It, it's You can't just get rid of it and then have a void. You have to actually replace yeah. something. So just like what you're saying, if you're taking the negative out, you actually have to interact with that space and fill it with something yes. positive because the brain, the neuro part of the neurolinguistic, uh, the amygdala obviously gets um, overworked with the habitual response. So we have to replace it with some other response. Otherwise, the body will go through clammy hands and feeling like you're going to pass out and all this stuff that is a pure body repetitive um, thing after whatever trauma it originally experienced. And often you correct that trauma is very young. Like it's not a mental even like we might not even fully remember it. Absolutely true. Have you run into some clients who don't remember the event? Like maybe it was not trauma in the like typical sense when we think trauma is something like this big thing, like, oh, ta-da, something happened. But more kind of like a toxic environment they grew up in, but they were so young that they didn't register as such. And yet the body recorded this as damaging experience. Yes. And usually just talking about their childhood, I'll have an indication of well, did this happen? You know, did these kind of mm-hmm. environment, was this kind of happening? And yes. A, and a lot of times that it's severe trauma, it's not remembered. Not all of it is remembered. So I think there is a protection there, but there's still a belief system that's been occurring. I, this happened, I'm trying to make a meaning out of it. I must be bad or something. And so we create meaning that isn't necessarily true, but that child is trying to make meaning out of something that's happening when when dad gets mad he says i'm to blame i must be the fault and so that kind of thing oh yeah and it's so true mm-hmm. with the meaning component that yeah. um when we're little the meaning is within the parameters of our consciousness that Correct. is immature so whatever meaning we give it is kind of like you know i must be bad if daddy is mad but yes. when we grow up we can realize that well maybe daddy was terrified for us and tried to make us grow up strong and unfortunately his fear took this particular yeah. form and then we got traumatized by it but daddy didn't know any better <laughs> Exactly. You find out the story that you created around that in a situation and we can write a new story. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as pushing the stop button and play button. It's creating a new story. Um, I had to do that repeatedly. This is what I made this mean. This is not necessarily what it meant. Not for true. And so I'm going to change my story because that one isn't serving me anymore. It's not helping. It's not helping me to be who I really am. And it's, it's resisting that. So I, I love this stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. And I usually tell my clients, like, take it from the category of this is what it is into a category of opinion. And then Mm -hmm. ask yourself, what else could it mean? Like, if you don't know right away what the truth is, but at least wobble this idea that whatever this is, it just, well, this this is what it is. And it's like, well, but what else could it be? (laughs) And that kind of opens up the door to what you're talking about, Donna, with this internal discovery, right? 
Yes, absolutely. What else could it mean? What's the other story behind mm-hmm. this? What's what else could what are the other possibilities? Um, rather than being so rigid with mm-hmm. everything that there is possibilities. But the biggest key is what you were talking about is you have to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I've heard people just going, stop, just stop. Would you just stop? And it it just doesn't work. You mm-hmm. need to replace it. And looking in th- those couple of steps, I said, will make a big difference. Well, yeah. And this also the component of power in there, um, like you're talking about vibrant living, which is, right. you know, vibrancy is actually part of personal power, right? So from like my perspective, when somebody just tells it to stop, stop, stop in your head, mm-hmm. your power is still not owned by you. It's still owned Absolutely. by the voice. So you yes. kind of have to take the power back. And the only way to do that is actually interact with the voice and make it less important. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I have used this analogy too. Um, one of my mentors said, "When fear, fear always is behind us." It, to me, it's like nagging, you know, and it's behind me, telling me all of these horrible things. Is pick it up by the collar, <laughs> if it had a collar, <laughs> and put it in front of you and say that you will stop. This is not true, and speak the truth. That to me is a power move. To me, that's why that is so effective. Is because you will stop nagging me. You will stop being a bully, <laughs> and this is the truth. And I love that visual. <laughs> well, yeah, dress up the fear. Give it a nice collar <laughs> or big ears. Something you can drag. Something that you can get all of them. That's great. So let's talk about vibrancy for a moment. Mm -hmm. So you call your um, process, you know, vibrant living, Mm -hmm. right? And your website is ivibrantliving.com. So this vibrant living, how would you describe that? Because it sounds very appetizing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's colorful and it's um, fun and vibrant is vibracious. It is full of life. Um, it's carefree, all of those, it's free liberation. All of those kind of words to me are synonyms for vibrant to living vibrantly. And that looks different for all of us. Um, some of us want to add glitter and pink all over it. And some of you might be the warmer tones, you know, with less. So it's just, what is that for you and helping people to let go of all these labels to let go of all the uh, inner critic is always going to be there. Um, it's just how much prevalence do we give that voice to be able to understand? So being able to shine, whatever that means for you, to look to do what you love, so that you can say, "I love my life." Not is this all there is? And. Um, <laughs> And I have felt both of those things. (laughs) Yeah, I think most women who are consciously living out there in the world and doing something with their lives tend to fluctuate between those two. But that's that's a normal component of living, actually. (laughs) I think it's a little silly to expect that everything will always be rosy. You know, there's a lot of that kind of a prevalent on the internet right now about like, oh, if you're doing everything right and you're living in alignment, then you should always be happy and everything should always work out in your favor because universe is on your side. And to me, it's like universe can't have sides. It's neutral. So it's really more like up to us 
to how we are vibrating ourselves into the existence. So um, this is Conscious Coaches on the Mission. So how would you describe, Donna, your mission in life? Uh, my mission is to empower people, to let go of fear and doubt and labels and complacency, to empower them spirit, soul, and body so that they can live vibrantly. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And what is this internal drive in you for that? Because anytime we feel like we have a mission, which by the way, not everybody does. So here the audience generally are the types that have this internal feeling like they here for a purpose, they here to do something to change the world for the better somehow, and you have your mission. So what is the drive behind it? Like why this? You didn't just wake up one day and thought mentally, well, analytically, this sounds like a good mission for me today. <laughs> I'm sure there are easier well, missions. Uh, I'm sure there might be. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody with a mission, though, that has the zeal and passion for something is getting that easy is necessarily it doesn't just fall into your lap. Right. But, you know, there is there is something about the persistence. You get stronger just like using your muscles against a weight. But I can remember as a very young child when someone said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to help people. And I couldn't define what that looked like. But as a child, I knew that. Um, and so how that developed, I think, had a lot to do with the things that happened to me. My life experiences helped to, to give me fuel and what direction that was going to take um, and how to turn something that was awful into good um, to be able to impact the world is what I'm doing. It is something that I believe God has called me to do. That's my, where I'm coming from. And um, it's one of those things that you don't, you can get quote carried away because you don't feel like you're working. Um, and so when you had tendencies to be overperformance, remember I talked about one of my weaknesses. So I have to have coaches that reinforce that. Are you taking care of yourself, Donna? Because I love this so much. I could just do it too much. And I end up I'm not taking care of myself. One of my favorite things that one of my coaches said, this will probably help all the conscious coaches that are listening here is what if she said to me, what if your income equaled the level of self-care you were doing? Now that's the went, thought there. <laughs> I, I, and I'm like, well, it kind of does. <laughs> Cause it's not very good. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. This moment, is such a good point for people to like, get like, oh I'm my God, like, listen wow. to this. Yeah. I'm Just like, imagine wow. those two things are proportionate to one and another. Because we create graphs and spreadsheets and charts to chart all kinds of metrics. You know, how many calls we made, how many, da, 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 all the stuff, but how much of us add that self-care component, whatever that looks like for us to our metrics, because if we do it, I have a feeling that our income will begin to match it. And we think it's not true. And for me, that was performance overachieving minded, which mm -hmm. is not a healthy balance, by the way, um, for me. So learning to be able to figure out how that is, is in correlation and make that balance. So 
maybe that will bless somebody else today because man, it was like, holy crap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And this is such a common thing that uh, people that care so much, right? We tend to give and then overgive and overdo and over-contribute and on the end kind of burn out. And then it's like on the airplane, right? Put the mask on yourself first before you help somebody. But when we forget to do that, we end up somewhat useless, right? In being able to actually help our clients. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get sick. Yeah. And then we get discouraged and then all of the things, but it's so preventable Mm -hmm. when we have someone like my coach was looking out for me and saying, Donna, you've got to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Um, At the point I started having healthcare, some health issues and stuff. So it was being able to learn that. So that's one of the things I've learned. Oh, this is a great thing. And I think this is a really useful tip for everybody to remember because you gave us so many jewels today. And this one is a kind of cherry on top in there. So thank you so much, Donna. Now, how can people find you? We know you have your iVibrantLiving.com website where they can go. And what would they find on the website and where else can they find you? I am on all the other social media platforms. So you can find me there as well. And you will find um, my blog, you will find my podcast link, you will find free ebooks and resources. I have free workshops on a regular basis. Um, I have one coming up in a little while, Turn Your Baggage Into Luggage free workshop. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for being here. Vibrant living. This is what everybody wants. And Mm -hmm. you shared so many wonderful details. So check out Donna. All the links are in um, the show notes and visit her website, ivibrantliving.com and see what she has to offer. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Coaches on a Mission. If you are a successful coach, mentor, or a healer who would like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit transcensiongate.com slash podcast. Are you the type of person who loves to help? If you got something out of this interview, I would love you to share this episode on the social media. Just take a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Would love for you to shout us out on Facebook and Instagram at Eugenia Oganova. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on the social media and let them know about the show. And please include the hashtag Conscious Coaches on a Mission. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. I'm regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and the guests. It means a lot. Want to know more? Go to my website, transcensiongate.com, to advance your consciousness and scale your business in a sustainable way using wealth energetics and soul design. And join my Facebook group called High Ticket Clients Energetics for Spiritual Coaches. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you next time.